and welcome to Unwritten Imaginings, where lazy authors talk about story ideas that they'll never get around to writing. New episodes every Sunday. Ideas are free to a good home, so let us know if you use one, and we'll give your story a shout-out in a subsequent episode. A good home is certainly better than a bad home, but really, they're free to any home. Aw, you're gonna let them go to an abusive home? That's mean. I don't know how you would abuse an idea. <laughs> really? Unless you're talking about, you know, large scale. Get like 40, 50 people to write exactly the same thing, but all <laughs> terribly. I think you're gonna abuse an idea. Really? How would Whatever. you go about doing that? Just, you know, bad things that make you regret giving someone an idea. Perfect. I I'm sure it can happen. Okay. <laughs> Hello, I'm Atheo, one of the hosts. I write some things. And usually never have enough time to do as much writing as I want. Hi, I'm Eunice. I also write things. I write slower than you would expect, even given how busy I am. <laughs> so this week, we're doing one of my ideas, I guess. And this is actually the premise from the very first story that I ever tried to write, but didn't go well because I didn't flesh out the, the world and the plot appropriately, and it kind of fizzled. So, and how old were you when you were doing this again? Like 16. I see. That might have been part of yeah. it too, you know, just a little bit. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad idea to write when you're 16, but it's probably a bad idea to let other people read what you wrote when you were 16. No, you probably want to get some <laughs> feedback at least, you know? No, just let it, let it die where it belongs. Okay. <laughs> it worked for me. Okay, okay. So this idea is what I thought of as my take on elves, but actually it's more shapeshifters. But basically it's the concept that there are gods in this world and they are based on classical mythological creatures such as like Pegasus and Phoenix and other mythological creatures. And the gods many millennia ago randomly interbred with humans and it basically resulted in the creation of a, a new race of shapeshifters who had magic and very long lifespans and the ability to shapeshift not into mythological creatures, but into regular animals that bear some of the characteristics of the god that they're descended from. Okay, so that seems fairly interesting in general. I do kind of have that just straight off the bat question. Why are the gods not still there? So, in the story I started writing, they kind of partially withdrew from the world because they caused a little bit too much chaos when they were interacting with the humans too much. But they're still there. Okay, so do some of them have, like, dimensional powers where they can just create their own homes that aren't on Earth or something? Or do they just, like, go off and hide in the wilderness? I think they have their own dimension, kind of like Olympia for, for the gods, of the Greek gods. Okay. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Either way. I mean, it kind of affects what you're going to do with the world, you know? Because if you have just the ability to go somewhere where nobody can find you, that leaves you in a different position than you go off into the wilderness and somebody stumbling through the woods can find you. Yeah. I think if they really don't want to be found, they don't have to be found. They may still wander the woods and, you know, add some okay. blo god blood back into the, 
yeah. bloodlines. So why did they all agree to basically back off like this? Because it seems like some know. of them wouldn't have, you know? Like, they're essentially responsible, good-natured gods. I generally have very orderly, happy worlds, as you may know if you read ever, anything I've ever written. <laughs> Doesn't help with creating conflict. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I do have a bit more from my original story, but we could also go into a completely other direction. So, I was thinking, just first off, let's create some conflict. I think an easy way to do that would be that the gods didn't really want to leave, but they were causing problems, and then their kids kind of told them off. So they were banished from the world? Not banished, but strongly encouraged to leave. Okay. So you're saying this new race is, was, like, powerful enough to tell off the gods? Not, like, on a one-on-one -on -one basis. You know, if you have four people against one of these gods, then... It's more evenly balanced, even if it's not all the way there yet. Okay. Plus, given the way that you were talking about them, we can assume that these are immortal, or at least very, very long-lived. They can be killed, unlike the gods, but yeah. Well, I was saying the gods oh. were immortal or very, very long-lived. So that would apply to their kids as well, I guess. Very long-lived, can be killed, though. And that's the difference. Yep, not gods, but in the tens of thousands of years, lifespan is what I was imagining. That's incredibly <laughs> long. Yeah. It's like, yeah. stupid long. <laughs> not a lot of them get to that point, though. They tend to get killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they would. Do they also not get that uh, ageless problem of essentially getting locked in what they believe? <laughs> because with 10,000 years... That would form, I think, sort of like an interesting contrast with where the, the gods have certain opinions formed like a super long time ago, and then their kids have relatively long ago formed opinions, and then there's a bunch of mortals who have, you know, changing society and culture. Yeah, if we make them quite human, then they would not adapt well to change. But if we want to magic them up a little bit, it could be... More adaptable than old people generally are. I feel like you could step into a middle ground and create something interesting there, where they change just really slowly. Mm -hmm. So the people around them changing, like, they follow that change, just not super quickly. Yeah. So they sort of form a middle ground between the god entities and the mortal beings. Okay, makes sense. Now... What sort of do we want to be the main, like, driving force behind this? I mean, realistically, mm -hmm. given the fact that you want to write an interesting story and you want somebody who's, you know, part of the world, even if not directly, you're going to have to have a main character who's related to in some way. That not necessarily being family relations, but related to or one of the people in the middle ground there, or... Not or. There's no or. I don't know why I said or. Okay. So this story was originally supposed to be a little bit of a political intrigue story, but I don't know if you have another idea for that instead. Well, what do you mean by political intrigue? Let's go ahead with that. Okay. So in the original story, it follows one branch of the shapeshifter people, and they are descended from the Pegasus. 
And if everybody's listening knows things about hybrids and crossbreeding, as the generations of descendants of the gods kept creating more offspring, some individuals ended up with far more god genes than others. And it basically created a tiered, like a class system where the most powerful ended up being the rulers and the nobles, and then everyone else became like the commoners and the servants. And then in this family, the royal family is the line of the elves that inherited the swan form based on the pegasus wings. You know, maybe not. Maybe don't (laughs) use the word elves because it comes with a lot of baggage. Okay. When it's attached to anything fantasy. What do you want to name these peoples? I don't know. I would go with shapeshifters, or if I was actually writing it, I would just make up a name for them. Okay. It would probably be a very silly name, but that's fine. Okay. Welcome to fantasy. Okay, we'll just call them shapeshifters for now, unless we can think of any good names that aren't too silly. Yeah. So basically, this line of the royals has been producing scions that have inherited the swan form for, I don't know how many thousands of years. But in the most recent generation, the eldest son instead turns into a duck. <laughs> Which is this... funny but sad. <laughs> this... this was okay. <laughs> this was not expected. Yeah, you don't say. And there was no precedent. But after a lot of like, you know, running around like chickens with their heads cut off. It was decided that the throne should actually pass on to the second oldest son, who does turn into a swan. And then this led to the eldest son being very dissatisfied with life, and then arranging the assassination of his younger brother, and then kind of seizing the throne. And then, in the original story... Okay, this is all background. Where's our conflict? (laughs) Yeah. In the original story I wrote, the main character is the son... Of the assassinated brother, who, like a trusted servant or advisor or teacher, ran away with the baby while the father was getting assassinated. And then it's about his quest to, you know, depose his evil uncle and regain the throne. That is his rightful birthright. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about birthright. Yeah, it's not, you know, I was 16, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and especially with, like... The one who's born different is evil. Not a great image right there. <laughs> He's not, he wasn't evil until he murdered his younger brother, okay? <laughs> I would say that getting to the point where you're willing to murder your younger brother comes with a few steps along the way. Like everyone making fun of the ugly duckling? <laughs> <sighs> that is so... Yeah, I'm, I'm just not a big fan of that one. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to take as much of it as I can, Mm -hmm. and then leave the rest of it as it is. I'm just going to not engage with it. (laughs) So, I do like the image of sort of the form of the swan monarchy thing. That might be interesting. Now, what I would go with is that instead of the line breeding true, apparently, I would instead make it so that they choose... Whichever one of their kids gets the form of the swan, and if they don't get one of them, then they marry again and, or, you know, choose somebody new to have kids with, and then try and get a form of the swan from them. So it's the first kid that is born with the form of the swan. 
inherits the monarchy. Okay. So instead of being like, we pass it to the firstborn child, and now we skip over the one that's different, it's instead, we're searching for something specific. Okay. Just, you know, to make it a little bit less gross. (laughs) So if we have this sort of monarchy, one thing that I think would be interesting is that they're searching to make as many kids as they can. So there's going to be a lot of people who have, like, if I had uh, the form of the Zwan, I would be in the monarchy, but I'm not. Okay, so there's just a bunch of not-Swan children? Yeah. Okay. There's just a bunch of different not-Swan children who are, you know, spreading out all over the place. Now we have to have a conflict. Mm-hmm. Do you want a conflict that comes from within or without? If you want to include, like, race tensions between them and the humans, you can. I tend to avoid writing racial tension stories where one group objectively has more powers than another. You know, the humans have their classic breed faster strategy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure that that's (laughs) justifiable. You can give them a little bit of magic if you want. Well, I was, I would instead have gone with something like the humans are part of the society and chosen for Chosen to propagate lines sometimes. Why would they want to add more human to their bloodline? Not that they want to, so much as they just don't want to have the complications of dealing with other people with powers. Okay, but then they'd have weak children. Do you think that's going to stop anybody? Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. But as far as that goes, I think probably the issue here is that, like, you have a lot of conflict that are like, oh, the shapeshifters are fighting the humans, and that's just kind of boring. I don't know if it's boring, actually. You could probably do it interestingly, but I look at that and I get the image of, it's been done. Yeah, but what hasn't? You're not wrong, but in, in mm-hmm. is that it's been done in the sense of, it's been done a lot, in a lot of different ways. I think more interesting might be something like, the treaty they originally made with the gods is coming up soon. Oh. And the gods are not in the mood to sign it again. Because, obviously, treaties signed with gods have expiry dates. <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay. Because they're like, hey, you guys live about 10,000 years, so here's the deal. You can't enforce it once you're dead, so it expires when the last of you dies. Okay, so the elder that originally signed the agreement with the gods, dies? I wouldn't say dies, but, like, is dying. Okay. So, it's essentially this one man or woman who's on their deathbed, and when they die, the gods are allowed to come back. Okay. Which would be sort of an interesting conflict in that you get time to prepare, but it's not really something you can necessarily prepare for. So... I think most interesting would be sort of coming to politics or war game with, like, semi-nobility, not, like, the ruling line, but, like, you know, the first child of the monarch, who was not form of swan, and instead was form of horse. Okay. And then they sort of take on the image of the military commander for a battle with the gods coming back. Are they planning on fighting the gods, or is this like a new, like, a game so that they have to win so the gods will go back to where they came from? I think it depends on the god a little bit, because some of them right. could just be like, yeah, I, w- I want some entertainment, so we're gonna play a war game. And then others could be like, yeah, no, I'd rather not go back. 
So we're going to kill any of you who try to stop me. I see. How are they going to fight a god who doesn't want to go back? Well, I assume that the gods can be injured, even if not necessarily killed. Okay. So the intent is essentially damage them enough that they have to agree to your terms. Not that, not that you're going to kill them, but that you're just going to keep them permanently injured. Okay. Which, I don't know about you, but does not sound like a great time to me. Yeah. I, okay, so these are kind of weaker gods. Not that weak, but weaker than, like, immortal, all-powerful beings, yes. Yeah. They're vincible. Yes. Okay. Because the other is just boring. <laughs> Depends on what you do with them. I mean, sort of. Mm. If they're just, like, invincible and they never... And they can't even, like, do anything to each other, then it's sort of just like, what are they doing? Well, it's always fun to, to throw two invincible forces against each other and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I do not understand why they would keep fighting at that point, because it's like, ah, yes, let us do nothing to each other for all <laughs> eternity. You could get locked into a unending wrestling match. <laughs> But why are they wrestling? Why doesn't one of them just, like, stop and wait until the other one gets bored? Because that'll be pretty quick compared to the unending wrestling match. Because they want to win. Okay. Just gotta... Testosterone. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's not a great... That's not a great answer. (laughs) But... Anyways, their sense of time is, like, much longer than ours. That may be so, but I figure 10,000 years is still 10,000 years. Eh, I don't know. Maybe 10,000 years is only like one year to them. I guess, but even then it's a little bit suspect. Okay, we don't, we don't have to play with time scales yeah. in this story. Yeah, playing a, with time scales is not great. Another. Okay, I mean, that's where I'm coming from, where you have the sort of battle against the gods, combination political and like wargamey feel it to it war slash gamey mm-hmm. feel it to it mm-hmm. where they're like trying to essentially put up a token show of force against i don't know the unicorn but then they have to put an actual show of force against what's another random mythological creature the hippocampus uh, the hip that's a part of your brain i don't <laughs> I, damn it what's what are those called again are you talking about harry potter no they're like horse Water horse. Is there a name? It's not just... You're talking about, like, the Gaelic one? No, the Greek one. Is the Greek water horse? Yes. <laughs> What's, it magic... What's its magical power? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, I am talking about the hippocampus. Wait, it's actually called a hippocampus? Yes. Oh. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> I win. Why is the brain part called a hippocampus then? You'd have to ask somebody who actually understands these things. But no, it's called the hippocampus. <laughs> Making me think I was wrong remembering. Okay, well, I'm not happy calling them a hippocampus in the story. It's too confusing. <laughs> I mean, you could also call it a seahorse, but I figured that might not go over well. <laughs> but, like, what's so magical about these ones? I don't know. They have the upper body of a horse and the lower body of a fish. Oh, like the Neopet. Okay. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's what it took to get you. Okay. Just give them water powers. Okay. It's like, that's a mermaid horse. I see. Okay. 
Wait, so all the gods are coming back at the same time? Yeah. It seems like a lot for them to deal yeah, with. Yeah, I know. That's the point. <laughs> you want to make it a lot. Okay. As for characters, we need some characters in this. We probably need like three or four who are like main people. I already came up with that one horse general who's leading everything. Okay. I mean, you know, I generally only ever come up with a pair of characters who are going to fall in love. Three or four is a lot. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware. Should I tell you about the girl I thought of, or <laughs> is that not... I mean, you could make a romantic pairing for any of the characters if you really want to. <laughs> I do. Okay. So, okay. I mean, the other, like, archetypes that we need are somebody who's going to be closer to the front lines than the general. We need somebody who's got a better handle on the monarchy itself, or not even the monarchy, just, like, the royalty and the courts and stuff itself, and who's, like, ginning up support for the general. I see. And then you could have, like, a fourth character who's sort of in a middling role, like a magic user or something, who's actively, like, better at planning against certain things than the general is, and who deals with that. Well... This character wouldn't fit into any of those roles. Imagine my shock. <laughs> you will have to imagine it. I'm sorry. It's not real. So, yeah, imagine it. Yeah, so the character is actually, like, one of the gods snuck out and had a kid. So she's actually half shapeshifter and half god. So she's a first gen. Yeah, she's a first gen. But everyone thinks that she's actually, like, a half-breed, like, half-human, half- shapeshifter it's because like the first generation blood when it manifests it's like extremely like erratic so she essentially only has access to like the half of her power that's established genes and essentially like quite weak until the other half of her powers activate so you know it grows up being thought of as like, illegitimate half human bastard okay now, I mean, you could make it so that the god didn't sneak out, but the shapeshifter snuck in. How did the shapeshifter sneak into another dimension? See, now you're asking questions that I don't want to come up with answers to. <laughs> but I feel like if the god just left the portal open, like, whoops, silly me, the portal's open. Anybody could walk through there and entertain me for years. Okay, that makes sense. Because if it was, like, this character's parent who did it then i would expect them to be powerful enough to not have the kid be treated as a half-human bastard but if they just kind of wandered in that makes sense and they wandered back out <laughs> yeah okay none the wiser that the person they were talking to was a god yeah they just thought it was another room of the palace <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds like a really fun god who like sticks a portal in a door of the palace yeah. And then just does not explain to anybody anything about it. They just, yeah, there's that room with that person in there. We don't know what's up with that, but they've been in there for, like, years, so we assume there's a reason. This is one of the, like, more benevolent but mischievous gods. Benevolent trickster god. Yeah. Okay. So, they're half god, half shapeshifter. Hopefully, different gods shapeshifter. Yeah. Anyway, continue. We can make her half unicorn. Half unicorn, half... Half, well, you know, Pegasus descendant. Oh, yeah. So then, like, people can't tell because of the horse being in common for both until she gets a horn, and then the jig is up. 
Yeah. Have one of the other people in this group of people be nice to her, and then... Well, if she's significantly more powerful than the other people, you could slot her into the role of the advisor to the general. Like, here's how our magic core is doing, or whatever. What magic core? Because I'm assuming that you have, like, a core of people who are working to prevent the powers of whatever gods are on the field, or at least lessen their impact. So if she's, you know, significantly more powerful by virtue of being fairly directly descended from a god. I think for at least the first third of the book, she's assumed to be weak until she manifests. Yeah, I'm just... Honestly, the way that I'm thinking about it, you're not gonna finish this sort of story within a single book. You would need to continue it. Because, like, so her, cause like yeah. the first book would be, like, one of the gods come back. Let's go with the hippocampus, just because it's entertaining and it's the first thing I came up with. Okay. So, like, if you have the first story that's, like, the story of the hippocampus coming back as the elder dies. Actually, I think it might be entertaining to call them, like, something like the eldest, because they're the oldest remaining half-god. Well, the only remaining half-god, yeah. I said oldest remaining because you also have that character that you just came up with. That one's a half god. Oh, I see. I mean, technically she's like three quarters at this point. <laughs> if she was three quarters, then that would mean that her other parent was already a half god who accidentally wandered in with another god. Well, I mean, like, in terms of the race of shapeshifters, they kind of, on average, are half god. But, yeah, the royal family is closer to like three quarters or something like that. That seems like a lot of work, but okay, we'll go with that. So the first book could be these people coming together in a plot to okay. the horse general is like leading the charge against stopping the hippocampus from making landfall with a bunch of ships. And that's slowly getting beaten back. So one of the royals starts helping and trying to gin up support from a bunch of other people so that they work with it. And then the character that you were talking about, who's the half god, who looks like a horse for too long, she's like actively working to like reduce the damage from the hippocampus's magical powers and then you would have like another character who's on the front line actually working at the fighting and then seeing the people who go over to the hippocampus's side so you'd have like four people who are just all seeing different parts of the conflict and then you use the first book to sort of build into stopping that first one and then they're like "Woo, we stopped the first one we're safe and then like four more come out of portals in different places and then you I and see. then you cut to the next to the next story or something. Okay, yeah. The first book is the opening salvo. Exactly. And they kind of barely manage it, and then they have to push beyond their limits. Round two, way worse. <laughs> Band together and teamwork and camaraderie, friendship. I don't know things like that. Of exactly. That <laughs> so you'd get uh, shades of that political intrigue. You get shades of. I guess you would call it shades of semi-optimism. Semi-optimism, okay. If we work together, we can do great things. Also, there's four more of them, so good luck with that. So, you know, optimism to a point. I mean, I guess the advantage that the shapeshifters might have over the gods is that they could combine magics from different bloodlines. That could theoretically create effects that the original gods cannot create. That and there's just way more of them. No, it's boring. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So what you do is you use the combination effect 
Plus the fact that there's more of them, you know. And then, you know, like, each god is, like, interesting in their own way of what they want. And, like, you know, some of them are, like, literally, like, if you answer my riddle correctly, I'll go back. <laughs> <laughs> if you answer my riddle seven. I would have said three, but seven is a way funnier number to me for some reason. And then some of them are like, fight me! <laughs> fight me and I'll go back. Single combat, you must defeat me. Yes, single combat. And then Unicorn Girl is like, fine, <laughs> bring it. That would actually be entertaining for like way later book thing. Just like, yeah, like she... fight me in single combat. And then there's just this like constant like, is it going to be okay? Or are we going to die? We can only fight him in single combat. Otherwise, he's just going to like destroy huge sections of our army. And we have to be prepared <laughs> for these other three. And then she's just like, so I've been preparing this for this for a while. I'll take you up on that single combat. <laughs> She's just pissed off. She's like, yo, oh, you think we won't take you up on that offer, huh? Huh? <laughs> Throw the glove down. Too much of this shit by now. <laughs> I'm sick of your shit. <laughs> so, okay, we have those two characters. Now we have to deal with the frontline soldier and the political mind behind the scenes. Who's making this all possible? I mean, I assume the political guy will be the horse guy's brother who's actually a swan <laughs> you know that works for me and then he's like okay i will be the figurehead and you solve the problem because i don't know how however what i will do is i will get you the tools to solve that problem i will flash my very shiny bright white wings at people and they will be odd and do what i say <laughs> which is going to be listen to you and then it, you can go into a digression on, like, why they picked the swan over the horse in terms of the, the descendants of the Pegasus to be the royal family. I see. <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Prettier. <laughs> because we like to fly. Because they can fly. Exactly. <laughs> it's not a terrible yeah. reason whatsoever. No siree. That's a very good reason, right? Right? <laughs> and then the fourth person, you just pop a human in there or something if you want for variety <laughs> i feel like you probably want to pop a human in there yeah because you have a lot of the because you have somebody who's way closer to the gods two people who are like about as far apart as the shapeshifters are and then you should just throw a human in there for variety's sake you know just a super like nerdy one who likes to read and you know invent weapons that gods don't usually what bother that with that sounds way more like the political one or the other one. I was thinking like a frontline soldier who just sees things as they happen. Oh. Wait, you would stick a human in the front lines? I feel like that's not a survivable situation. I feel like it's survivable, especially because there's going to be a lot of them. And they're just going to be like constantly moving. I was also thinking of just making them a super badass for the fun of uh, it. Like a, a super badass human? Yeah, exactly. What makes them badass? Their ability to not die. So, like, badass or, like, cockroach-like? <laughs> ¿Por qué no los dos? <laughs> because they're mutually exclusive. Are they? You just make them super badass, but then nobody can kill them. Yeah, but that's different from being cockroach-like. Well, in some ways. Okay, but, like, if they're just human, then why are they so badass? I don't know. Some people are just badass. That doesn't explain anything. <laughs> I mean, you could also fairly easily just, like, 
give them special weapons that have been made by people who have that kind of ability. Also, I want to draw from a different mythology, but I'm like utterly blanking on it because I had this huge Greek mythology cake in high school, and I'm mm-hmm. just blanking on the rest of them. It's really disappointing because I should know this. But like you, you essentially get like a blacksmith type, like a blacksmith descendant fantasy creature as the god that some people are descended from and then they make like weapons and then this human like survived one battle so they're like okay you get a piece of equipment from one of these people and then they got the piece of equipment and they essentially did super well with it and then they get another piece of equipment and then you just keep going like that until they're like equipped with a bunch of stuff but they're just human so it's kind of like just the luckiest human ever i wouldn't call it luck as much as a combination of luck and skill. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> they're the okay. luckiest person ever, but they're also a badass. Okay. Maybe they have some latent stuff that they don't know about in their genes. I don't know how I feel about that. I'd rather them just be human. What is this shapeshifter god you're... I mean, this blacksmith god you're talking about. I don't remember, okay? Is it a human-shaped god? No, it's... <sighs> What does it look I like? I can't remember if it's... I can't remember! It just... Okay, so all you know is it wasn't humanoid? Yeah. I think it might you have been... don't know what... I can't even remember if it's African or Mesoamerican. Okay, if any of the listeners recognize what god this is, please email us to call Atheo an idiot. Please do. I <laughs> love being called an idiot. It's my absolute favorite thing. And I'm only sort of joking. <laughs> Hi, Editing Atheo here. I have discovered that what I was thinking of was not, in fact, either one of those, but rather a syncretism between at least four gods. If you do know one that is a blacksmith god in the form of an animal, do still email us at listeners at unwrittenimaginings.com, but this particular one was not actually something that exists, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) <laughs> wait but we don't have a, a nerdy strategist inventor guy in our team i don't know why you would need that to add some ingenuity to the mix well you can put the ingenuity on the general okay i wouldn't make him like a super nerd but like creative and interesting that's certainly doable okay but like what about like someone who just like invents guns and then like the guy's like, what is this thing that I've been attacked with? I mean, that's just sort of like the technology versus fantasy story again. Okay, so no, no technology. I kinda, well, okay. I don't want technology to be what wins the day. You can have like technology and it's developing and like the people are becoming better at things and all of that. But having it be technology that wins the day is kind of like, oh, okay. So we're doing that story. Got it. Well, it's more like, there's a bunch of different gods, and they're all going to be defeated in different ways. That's true. But the issue I think that I'm having is that a lot of stories will have it be like, oh, technology has won the day, and then they just like forget to do anything else, and then they just win the rest of the days with the technology, and it's like, oh, okay. So we're just saying that guns are better than gods now. Got it. No, I think it would be... If guns win the day once, they can't be the thing that changes the tide of battle in the next battle. Like, yeah, it's not... Like, a gun is not gonna be able to defeat all the gods. It was more like, 
based on the specific challenge that that god set for them in order to like go home quietly. It happened to be like a gun would be the the best solution, and then yeah, they they weren't expecting that. It. I'd be okay with a one on one archery duel, whichever of us hits and, the other first wins. Gun versus yeah, bow. You bring a gun with a sniper scope and exactly. Yeah. And then the arrow just takes forever to travel, and then the bullet hits first, and it's like, oh, I guess you win then. Something like that. It's like, this is a strange bow you have there. <laughs> it's a projectile weapon. And really, isn't that what you were asking for? Whoever hits the other first from this range? And really, that means I won. Yeah. Okay. So, we sort of have most of the character arcs. I think for the frontline person, we need a bit of a character arc. Because we have the horse general who's coming to respect other people and be, like, the person that the world needs to save it at this particular juncture. We have the unicorn girl who goes from getting put down all the time to saving those very people who put her down. We have the swan guy who understands that he's not actually, like, who essentially, like, goes from arrogant to understanding that he's not the only person who has good things. And then we need a character arc for... Our frontline person. I got nothing. Okay. How about one of the gods falls in love with him? <laughs> well, I never said it was a him. We haven't even decided on a gender for this person. Okay. Well, you can do a her as well. And what if the final god is like, come hang out with me in my dimension and I'll go back to my dimension? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds interesting. Hey, you're pretty chill. Hang out with me for a while. That's the last god. Lonely. That's the that's the last god too. When people are like super afraid of it because they think that, that it's going to be like the deadliest one yet, and then it's like, hey, come hang out with me. Yeah, that last god is like very known for like really not wanting to go back. Yeah, turns out they're just lonely. <laughs> yeah, and then they've seen some of the gods going back, leaving their portals open, and they're like, hey, never mind. <laughs> we don't need to fight here. Like, the last god is, like, one of those, is basically, like, an extrovert, you know, during exam season when everyone's ignoring them and they get really lonely and bored. Extrovert during COVID? <laughs> Absolutely destroyed. Yeah. Okay. It's not really a character arc so much as a position they're going. But I feel like, sort of, character arc-wise, you could just make them the, like, I want to defend my home and I want to get things back to normal. And then... They essentially settle on what my normal was is different now, and I guess that's okay. Yeah. So they get really mad for a while, and then no longer as mad. Or, like, they single-handedly overcome everyone thinking that humans are useless and weak. I don't know about everyone thinking that humans are useless and weak, but at least the gods. Humans are useless yeah. and weak, except for that one, I guess. Except for that one. <laughs> Maybe it's more than just that one. But mainly just that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gods are slow to change. <laughs> okay. They just get it thrown in their face so much that they can't deny it anymore. Invoking character arcs and gods is their character arc. Got it. And then, you know, we end the series, and then the gods won't come back again until our, all four of the main characters die of old age or murder or other causes. <laughs> I mean, I would just say that the gods come to a sort of, like, agreement where they have, like, limited time on the planet instead of 
like completely being cut off it's instead you can have your portals open and you can spend a limited amount of time on the planet but you're not allowed to kill hundreds of people for no reason other than boredom anymore just one or two you know <laughs> one or two and only if they really ask for it yeah if they really deserve it not deserve <laughs> it really ask for it you know because okay. you could like not deserve it but then make a really dumb decision that gets you dropped in the middle of the god's domain and like that that one's okay to die but oh yes we're invoking the chinese concept of guy yet again <laughs> look it's a nice concept and i like it do i need to explain what that is to the readers now you probably do <laughs> okay. listeners not the readers so, so for everyone who doesn't speak mandarin <laughs> there's a concept in called guy that i cannot find the english equivalent for but it's basically kind of like when you deserve something but not because you morally deserve it it's just kind of the result of your stupidity or yeah the natural consequence of your actions so for instance like if you i don't know like poke a poisonous snake and get bitten it's you don't morally deserve to get bitten but I feel no pity for you because you deserve it because you were stupid. Again, it's a good concept. I do like it. <laughs> it's a good concept. It's very much something that, like, as a child, if you run to your Asian parents having done something stupid crying, they have no sympathy for you. <laughs> All right. I do think that we have a whole story going with this yeah. particular case. You know, it could be like a quartet, you know, like one book for each character or something of that sort. Well, I or... mean, they're all going to be in all the books. Yeah, but, you know, like in terms of who's on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You even have cover art, courtesy of Unwritten Imaginings. Yeah. That's a joke, designed... by the way. Cover art is expensive. <laughs> Pay your artists. Or go on Fiverr and, you know, get That's something. still paying your artist. Viper is, is a yeah, payment service. But underpay your artists. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyways. Yeah, so as we said before, if you know what the hell Atheo was talking about, email us. Please include some it, indication that you're laughing at me for forgetting this. You know, go like, ha 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 ha, you're an idiot. <laughs> or something of the sort. If you want to email us for any other reason, you can also email us. Listeners at unwrittenimaginings.com yeah, so if you write a story based on one of our ideas, if you have an idea that you would like us to maybe do on a future episode, if you have other comments or suggestions, yeah, go for it. I think that's enough for today. So, okay. signing out. Bye! See you next week. <laughs>